Hello, Sammy. I'm home. Oh, Zachy. Thanks for coming home before 6 p.m. Oh, no problem. There's a, uh, there was some traffic getting back from the show. Hey, do I smell dinner? Sammy? You're... This this is the 21st century, and you're the one cooking dinner. Because <laughs> you got some mouth explosion out of your face hole to do. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Sammy! Look at me when I'm speaking to you! <laughs> all you do all day is work at that cherry factory and shove them in your mouth. I'll never get any flipping respect around here! <laughs> to be honest, I haven't seen I Love Lucy enough to, to really know what's going on besides a, I make noises and... Yeah, as as we all know, I, uh, Lucy uh, 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 Bacall, I think it's Lucy Bacall. Well, I, we, uh, Lucy, I think she makes a lot of noise like this. A lot of, I think that's where... Um, Tim Allen. I think you're thinking of uh, uh, kung fu movies. No, I think that was uh, where or, Tim, yeah, Tim, Tim Allen, Allen well, got yeah. his impersonation. He's like, aha, now here's a real comedian. I'll Lucio just do Ball. Lucio Ball. That's it. And Ricky, um, <clears throat> Ricky, not Ricky Treves, Ricky Contabon. That's not it. No. I'm, I'm this gonna... is going to be bad. Um, this man has dyslexia. But I will say that was our intro. That was our parody of uh, "I Love Lucy." As it was you, really bad. As you can tell, I'm admit it was really bad. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, as you could tell, I did not do an impersonation of the uh, Desi Arnaz character, um, mm. because he he's a Cuban American. Uh, Ricky mm. Ricardo. I knew it. That's it. I knew it was a uh, a synonym or a, a a whatever. It began. Uh, it began both began with ours um but we are for those of you jumping in and completely confused we're not a we're maybe not a, we should do an episode where we just we're not an i love riff lucy. off of i love lucy or right we should write an i love lucy episode uh, and do it as a, as a podcast as an episode i would love that um that's that's a good idea i think that would be a good idea but we're not this is we're, we're called two thumbs undecided uh we are a radio show this is our hundredth and seventh episode i don't know isn't that crazy something like that it is crazy but it also feels like it we've been doing this for quite some time very consistently may i mind you very very consistently consistently. every week uh there were been making an episode for two years and now we kind of have to because we're on a a radio show but back in the back we used to do this as a podcast sam would like call me up and like really get me to come over like Mm. even when I, i would come over there or Sam would come over to my place. But enough about our shamble of lives. Um, we oh. are here as a service. We're one of those people who say, like, we're here for a purpose. Like, no matter what happens, we we are here for for the public. That's why we must exist. Which is why I... Um, I that's why I write a grant every week to be a, a public um, company to the governor. Tim Wolf. Yes. Um, Whoever your, your governor. governor is. Mine's uh, Cuomo. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, he's kind of famous. He's a handsome um, man. He's, he's, uh, he's our, more our handsome. Our grandma loves 
our grandma I, has an obs- uh, yeah, uh, a, a, a more than just political obsession with Cuomo. It's uh, she likes. She's admitted she likes his body. He's got that. Um, uh, he's got that uh, built cool, f- like like down to like clown, like no business, n- no nonsense kind of face. Tim Wolf. He's really popular. He's really popular amongst uh, Southern women in their seventies <laughs> and eighties. I will say this: Tim Wolf to me looks like the really really skilled chess nerd who is like a world class renowned guy but in real life he's not really fun to talk to and probably drinks nothing but malt shakes um and that's it so to be honest i don't even know what he looks like but um i think i painted the picture yeah we're a well. uh, a radio show um we uh we talk about movies um for the most part um so let's just get into it let's let's jump into some news also real quickly i want to do a quick uh i thought this was kind of funny that's a quick promotion for other for a podcast Project. called uh are are you talking rem re me yeah apparently so the the newest episode so you know so they transitioned I've, so this is scott heard about and this. adam scott yeah so this is Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. So they transitioned to talking about um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> and so their second, so the whole show, like the show is, they started talking about REM and then they transitioned to talking about U2. And then they transitioned to talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then so the second episode into them talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers, they realized that they should have started talking about talking heads. And so like... <laughs> Halfway through, they're just like, let's just make this about talking heads. <laughs> and so, because it's tr- like, they've talked about talking heads so much. Like, it's so obvious that they love talking heads. And it was kind of surprised that they, and they kept on saying, like, I know this is a surprise that we're talking about red hot chili peppers, but. um, Yeah, I need to listen to that episode. And also. It's per- really funny. I'm more of a talking head head anyway. So that's. Yeah, same. That's- I'm much more interested. Yeah. Um but, uh, but let's get into some film news. Yeah, Sam's been um, like all over the news. He's he's gonna spit some verses at you. Non-poetic. Yeah, so I'll try to make this rhyme. Oh well. Oh. Um uh, you do so you. first I wanna there was uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, but there was a few deaths oh. recently. Oh yeah. Um very sad deaths. Uh, oh also for for instance, probably one of the biggest ones is uh Naya R- Riviera. Uh, Rivera uh, was is presumed dead, but uh, I think they officially announced her dead. Um, she died, uh, disappeared on a boat. She was from Glee, uh, is how she's most famous, which is interesting because uh, there's been a lot of deaths with Glee. Um, like a lot of people, I think three people now have died in their 30s who was on Glee. Um, sad but thing. I mean, really sad, sad um, thing. I will um, say Sam and I, at least... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say I uh, I watched the first full season of that when it first premiered and I was really it's a good show. Yeah, I mean we watched it as a family. Um, and her character specifically, I think, um, I was... was very progressive because they were one of the first openly LGBTQ uh, characters well, in couple. at least in like a well, I mean in the, a, in a there couple. was there was the actual gay character who basically that that was his. Yeah, thing. but they were a little bit more, like, sly about it. Like, it started out as, like, a joke between her and, like, the other cheerleader as, like, they just occasionally <laughs> and then as sleep it together. Yeah, and then, and then as like, it progressed, oh, yeah, it became a into a more of, like, 
they're they're like bi. Yeah. Uh, and though so I gotta say, more complex, so. all the kids at the end of the day all annoyed me. So that's why I stopped. Well, I I really I mean I, the... I really liked her character honestly. I think her character was one of the few that I, I actually. Uh, I, I will say her character did progress because at first she was like the bully um, cheerleader and then she was like, oh, wait, singing's fun. And then, yeah, it's weird because with her character, I think it was it really started off as her being like kind of this asshole and then or like just this stuck up person. Oh. And then it just really changed into a more complex character okay um, i was lying we've we've seen all the episodes <laughs> oh were you trying to hide that we've seen all the episodes yeah yes. I'm, I'm we, a, we, I'm a we watched it i'm a gleetster I th- that's we what we watched called. it really early on um got which the, is we got the we got the cds too yeah we do <laughs> we got it we do have the cds um the other unfortunate death um i don't know i mean all deaths are really unfortunate but uh grant from MythBusters, mm. um, that died one died from a a a, a brain uh, aneurysm. It was very sudden. Uh, he was um, the one. He was the one Asian uh, like team member of like the main. Uh, well, he was five the, of them. He was the second. I always thought of them as the second crew. There was yeah. Adam and the other mustache guy, and then there was the other crew that they're like, let's do more of. So wait, Adam and what? What was the other guy's name? I have no idea. Adam. Apparently, they hated each other. According. Oh, they hated each other. Like legitimately hated each other, which kind of stinks. No, it's great. I loved it. I remember there was this one time, and this is off. Um. The I'm trying to look at Jamie. Jamie. That's it, Jamie. Jamie. Jamie Jamie Heineman. Um. But yeah, Grant was um friends with Adam. Uh from adam savage from uh they worked in um industrial light and magic uh the lucas films um uh special effects company they worked on a few films together and um grant was actually adam's boss believe it or not grant was the one who was like the head of special effects or something um and as we all know uh, he was uh he was famously the one who was in charge of the r2t Two robot in the three uh famously famously yeah our duty to uh, robots in episodes one through three which yeah. i thought was cool but um yeah sad sad all around yeah. um otherwise crazy year in general with some sad deaths yeah. a lot of deaths really um but we hope uh moving on to something a little bit yeah. not really happier but just more just not informative deaths. um and informative yeah so I'd say about a month ago, we talked about um, what was going on with film festivals. And at the time, no one really seemed to know what they were doing. Uh, but now I, it seems like things are a little bit more confirmed. Um, and actually, Zach and I, I realized this, and this this is probably good for you to know, Zach. I, we were trying to get into Cannes as yes. journalists. But what I realized is... So far, they don't know what they're doing for the actual Cannes Film Festival. What we try to get into is the March du Film, uh, which is just for buying films. It's like it's not for journalists. Oh, but there was a journalist section. So yeah, I, I just think it, they just didn't plan it 
but it's it's not for journalists. So what it's are you for... what are you telling at me, Lucy? I mean, Sammy. So what I'm saying is with can, uh, they're very they're they're definitely like the most stubborn of all of the film festivals. They are like very insisting we have to have this in person, um, but um, it seems like. They're going to take a much smaller selection of the films that would have premiered at Cannes, oh. and they're and they're premiering it at a 2020 branded Cannes event. So very generic. Does, I don't know exactly what that does means. Does that mean but... we can possibly get into this bad boy? Well, I don't know. Because I think um, it would be so much better if you and I both went to this. I don't think we can go physically. I well, think yeah. I'm hoping they're going to have some kind of digital thing for. Um, press because i would um i'll take off i'll take off work uh to watch french dispatch i think that's gonna be the there i mean tell me the truth sam what has been like a shining light to you during this desolate time like what gives you with films no what like with anything like that Mm. goes like oh this is so great like there's no tvs or movies that i'm really truly like oh like French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie. I I'm really not think... excited for Wes French Dispatch whatsoever. Okay, I think he really dropped the ball with Grand Budapest, and especially oh, wow. with Isle okay. of Dog. I I think he did I drop think the Moonrise ball. Moonrise Kingdom was his last great movie, and so far they've been getting worse and worse. I wrong. I disagree. But um, <laughs> I guess movie wise, um, I don't know. I um. I'm excited for, um, I don't even know when this is being, more so things being announced. I don't know, like, things coming out. Um, I was excited for Five to Five Bloods, oh. which was also supposed to premiere at Cannes, but then didn't. But let me continue with the, the, the film festivals. So the other, the other thing that was, the main reason I wanted to talk about this is last week, um, Telluride uh, is officially canceled. They're not having it. Telluride is not going on uh so that's that's the only one that has officially said we're just not doing a film festival of the major film festivals um venice which happens september 2nd to 12th normally um they're also they're still planning on having it i think actually and uh but it's going to be a much smaller lineup and some of the the screenings are going to be all at once like they're going to be showing at a different they're going to be showing multiple screenings in different theaters at the same time. Um, but, I mean, there's still a ban on people outside of the EU, but there may include some international press. But this is something that you and I should talk about, Zach. They are definitely entertaining the idea of having digital press, like having digital screenings, but just for the press. Nice. Um, this is why TIFF I... um, oh, is yes. also probably going to be having digital screenings. Um, and they are, they kind of have this reputation of being the most accessible to everyone and are very flexible. And they're really, they're having, uh, physical screenings, but they're also having drive-ins and digital screenings and all of the screenings going to be socially distanced. And that's September 10th to 19th. Um, what's interesting is all the film festivals are all in September. I really didn't know September is like the time for film festivals. Um, and then. New York Film Festival, which is where we were last year, um, they're still unsure, um, and but I mean it's not really uh, they don't really do premieres at the New York Film Festival, um, 
they're more for um just kind of re like the first like north american premieres um but uh it may be the first time if everyone if americans can't really leave it may be the first time that americans can see a lot of these films um and then lastly sundance um they it's not going to happen until january 2021 but they're still they're planning right now like they're buying they're going to be expanding out further and further so they have more theaters um so it's more room um but that's it for the film festivals but yeah so far telluride's the only one that's officially donezo mm. so that's the film festivals well i'm excited for the future to see uh what so happens. we should look in tiff and venice tiff and venice are the two that i think are definitely going to be doing digital screen for press and we'll let you guys know we'll we'll be the yeah we'll be uh can is being annoying because can is kind of stuck up about this kind of thing mm. but we'll be on top of it one of us will be but something and you that, should be on top and of course i'll be on top of it i mean i'm i'm one of the two th thumbs undecided if i'm not i you know sue me um but no so like weird transition into our uh into our next topic or our topic for today which is drum roll blah la 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 it is uh Cult classics. Now you ask yourself, Oi, Zach, that is such a broad thing. Well, I have for you here the translation or the definition of a cult classic. Something, typically a movie or book, that is popular or fashionable among a particular group or section of society. So not every, it's not as big as, say, Avengers or like a franchise is not a cult classic. Like a Jason uh, Bourne movie or a Jason Statham. I guess Jason Statham could be a cult in itself. But it's basically what it is is it, like a group of people rally around this and it almost becomes a society. Um, now, I almost said that Star Wars is not a cult classic. But interesting enough, there is argument that Star Wars is no, a cult no, no, no. classic. Only, only, gonna, only because it, there. it has created such. I mean, here's the thing, and this is. I think I actually wrote this in a paper once. When does a cult stop being a cult and becomes a religion? And I think that's my argument for why Star Wars is not a cult classic. Because back in the seventies, in the nineteen seventies, and we have witnesses who are there, liking Star Wars was not cool. You were like these nerdy kids. Who all rallied together and you know went you know did your little thing, um, said all the quotes. I mean that's a cult. It's only because those same nerds in the 1970s went on to be you know the next producers and innovators of the world is and rulers of the world why uh, Star Wars became such a thing. Someone realized nostalgia, especially George Lucas, who I think is more so a brilliant businessman than a film director realized hey it's the 90s I, let's do some more yeah so i i i'm gonna disagree with you there because early 2000s actually i was reading there's a really great article um from this bbc culture um it was written by uh Lorushka ivan sada sorry if i'm mispronouncing that but it, it came out um fairly recently and it was all about um it's the title. the The article is called "From uh, Whitnail uh, and I to El T Topo: 
what makes a cult film. And it was very detailed, and it talked about Star Wars, and they said there's a difference between a cult following and a cult film. Having a cult following is what Star Wars is, because it kind of grew from this, this Wait, why cult. did you say it's a cult film? It's a cult fo- It has a cult following, but it's not a cult film. Um, oh, okay. Like, it, it, the, the following behind... Uh, it's more about, like, the followers. If it, like, starts off as niche and then kind of expands... But the definition of a cult film, and from the articles that I've been reading, is more so that it starts off as a critical and um, a, a, a commercial failure. Like, it doesn't do well at the box office. And Star Wars boomed. Like, Star Wars did very well at the box office. Also, I always, um, I always think that... So like... that's not really the definition of a... I think that's more of, like, how you define what the cult film is. If it starts off seeming like a failure but then some like a niche finds it and expands it and grows it so um but that's my rebuttal to your star wars and it seems like one of the greatest examples that keeps coming up in all of these is the rocky horror picture show i think that's like the best example of that's what people can yeah that's what people consider to be like the culty like the true at least all the lists that i've been seeing that's like the number one cult film. I mean, it started, it was such a failure in theaters. And then also like, they just took it to bro- off, off Broadway. And then they started to, you know, it went from there, which I find very impressive. Um, but yeah, I would, I think when I think of a, an, a cult classic, and this is just my definition and kind of what I'm like seeing is a cult classic is something or something that does have kind of this huge underground following that not is really seen almost kind of like a secret society. If, uh, if I said like, Oh, I'm such a big fan of uh, like plan nine from outer space. You may have heard of it, but you may have never seen it. Now that's another thing with star Wars. I will say though, um, that not you do, you do find those people who, haven't seen it but they almost seem like they do that as a badge of honor i i really don't if this is going to turn into is star wars a cult film i really don't think star wars at all is a cult film maybe it was it 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 was uncool to watch it at first but to think like the main thing with cult films is it starts off not making money like your favorite film evil dead did not make a whole lot of money at first it didn't make the money back it made the money back, but like we're talking about like credit like it, it probably I don't think it like made as much money as you would think. Uh it it didn't certainly didn't make as much money as Star Wars. It didn't explode. I think also I, I that the thing is is I don't I definitely don't think Star Wars is a cult it, okay, it has a cult following. There I I'll say that. But I mean a, a movie, it, but in though, that sense it could it is a cult classic. It's a classic. It's just the most okay. It's a classic. Doesn't mean it's a cult. I the main I definition only... for me with the cult classic is if it starts off, if it's a commercial hit, they make a lot of money from it. But that's the, uh, that's the reason why actually that's the rebuttal for myself why I wouldn't consider Star Wars true cult classic because a cult is a small group of people or like you know other people think they're weirdos like a larger yeah. group of people think they're weirdos like heck. Scientology. Everybody knows that that's a fringe uh, 
cult, basically, um, that has turned into like its pseudo religion. But um, a cult is you don't really know too much about. So like things I will say, Evil Dead, in my opinion, is the best. I love Evil Dead, and that is a cult classic. Would I rank it as the greatest cult classic? No, I would probably put that the Rocky Horror Picture uh, Show. But Evil Dead is my favorite cult classic because it's campy, it's it's great, but it's great in it's it's great in ways that aren't to the broadest appeal. And I think that's what classifies as a cult classic. Everybody can love Star Wars. It's easy, boom boom. We've all grown up with it. But things like, uh, I mean, Doc, like Doctor Who, RoboCop, I think is another cult classic. Um, I wouldn't say Robo. I think. Th- I think Robo. Really, I think the biggest thing is RoboCop. It seems like a block. Like it was just. A, for me, when I think of a cult classic, is. I I don't think RoboCop did bad fight like critically. I think it did really well and it seems like it was like a studio film, like a studio 80s film. I think the time when like I think of cult classics is the 70s. Like 70 cult classics I think is what people think as like the criti- uh, quint- quintessential cult movies. Because it was so much more by word of mouth and getting your move your indie movie theater to to play these films. Robocop was playing probably everywhere. It, I mean, it was a success, okay? It was a commercial success. But the reason why I consider um, Robocop a cult classic is I think it a lot of people like follow it to this. It didn't just trail off. like total. And and the other reason why I think it's a cult classic is it has kind of this, it, this kind of, this whole lexic like this whole thing you can talk about it with, like you could say yeah people still watch Van Damme movies but there's nothing intellectual or really discussion you can do about it and that's another reason with a cult you know is you can really dive in deep with it in the cults yeah. you know there's there's a, a larger level and i think that's why robocop is a cult classic because it's not only an adventure movie it's uh it's a parody on the 80s it's a it's a it's a slam on what it like on cops and government like big time government um and it's also like a jesus allegory too i feel like we should change the title of this pod radio show to definitions undecided because i think half of the show is just us deciding the definitions of things um because my definition because yeah two two thumbs defining for me because it doesn't ever sound like we're unsure that's yeah well i mean i i see where you're coming from i see what you're saying i just it seems to me that you're getting confused between. I'm not. Or com- you're combi- Not confused. Not How confused. Dare I'll take you. that back. You're combining just classics yes. and and cult, and you're just getting getting rid of the cult. I think a classic, like RoboCop, is a classic, but I wouldn't really say it's a cult classic. Like cult classics are things that really like for here here's a cult classic that I don't think a lot of people know is a cult classic, but 
is by my definition of cult classic wizard of oz wizard of oz did very badly really when it was first released yes it was not a a successful film when it was first released but uh after a few years or also another example um I mean, this is a Christmas example, but it's a Wonderful Life. Oh, another and cult classic. Also, Christmas did Story did horribly, and a lot of these, a lot of these films, they only started becoming cult classics because they were syndicated or not syndicated, but they were on TV, and they started being reruns and reruns. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is a famous example because the, I forget which network, but a network bought like solely owned the movie because no one wanted it, and whoever produced it, uh, I forget what produced it but it, it they they are went out of business or liberty liberty films or something like that they went out of business in like the 50s i i, I think so you're that di- go on that's i mean it's just those films uh that's how a lot of cult classics kind of began is it just uh, or not i wouldn't say a lot but tv and things just being on like uh on some kind of reruns uh, that's how a lot of these cult classics become. And it's like years after, sometimes 10 years after they're being released, it starts to become a cult classic, especially with the older films from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. I think your definition is a bit more conservative than my definition. I still believe that RoboCop is a cult classic because the uh, another reason why is because by today's effects, it is not, it doesn't, it, it looks a little cheesy but there's kind mm-hmm. of this this almost this love to it this you could see it's oozing with with uh with grace or not grace but it's it's oozing with with its own style like it really feels auteur, like an auteur film i mean it really when i look at it i think oh that's like it looks like a frank miller comic book yeah, and but so like, that's why people saying... keep watching it today that's why there's a huge fan base of it today but i will say i do agree with your definition, because I do think a cult classic is not boosted at all by any companies, but by fans. It's it's given a second life. Yes. For example, another to your to your point, and then I'll eventually boost my own point. But the Big Lebowski is second, if not first, uh, behind Rocky Horror Picture Show when it comes to the greatest of all cult classics because Big Lebowski directed by the Coen brothers, you know, A-list directors did not do well in theaters. And then after, like after a while, people started seeing it on TV and, uh, they realized, hold on a second. I'm like that guy. Or like, wait, I've, I've, I'm that guy. And you know, and it went from there and then it's like super quotable. Also, apparently Gene Siskel, uh, it said, uh, this This is a quote from Gene Siskel, um, Kingpin was a much funnier film set in the world of bowling and then um, gave it thumbs down, uh, which I've seen Kingpin. I do not know what he's talking about. It's a, uh, Kingpin's okay, but it it is muddled. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I mean, yes, I, I agree with you. Big Lebowski is an example of a cult classic. But when I think of true cult classics, I'm thinking the idea of cult, like the first, when things started becoming called cult classics, 
that was is not a term until the 80s. In the 70s, these there were just films that just weren't really known. Um, and seven, I mean, the 70s, we can go into whole detail about the 70s. The 70s was such a big time for film. Uh, if only because so many indie theaters just started popping up and could start pushing and like people could start pushing these films to a much wider audience these weird niche films like the films like uh i'm not i know evil dead's the 80s but it's like the beginning of the 80s 81, um 81 yeah so evil dead um eraser head is a is a is a major example um like these were the time these were the types of films that were like in my mind true cult classics which is literally like film students people who had you know no money ten thousand no money ten thousand dollars to make a film not including inflation but um they made these films and then you know rented out a few theaters or maybe got like a small distribution out of it and then it just like word of mouth it just started spreading but it wasn't these huge commercial films that like maybe tried to seem like it was niche and like i i think also with cult films just because it's artsy doesn't make it a cult film uh like it really cult films take a while to 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 turn into a cult film and i think another thing that support with cult films is people don't set out to make cult films it's not like people are going out and being like i mean i know that's what you say you want to make a cult well, film the, the re by the way i just want to state the, i just think that the movies that i make are cult films i love yeah, but making those goofy wacky off the wall you don't really see i like i like that in a movie like when i saw i it didn't i i think it it's kind of culty but the most recent cult film that i digged was drive and, and yeah that's and, i guess that's a cult film and because it it did okay in the theaters but everybody like there was a, such a huge uproar of it like there were people who were like whoa this is so cool you know like i mean Heck, you bought me that jacket, um, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool. No offense to the guy yeah. who directed it. I didn't really like anything else he directed afterwards. Um, but yeah, still, I but just Bronson. Yeah, exactly. It just like it 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 did things in there that I have not. Winding seen. Winding Refn is his name. Yeah, I like I I don't see that in film. Like I don't see it in like it looked well. And that that brings me to a point in which I think the aesthetic of cult is different. It, it it's become an aesthetic now, uh, like the cult film. Uh, and I think sometimes the the aesthetic of the cult film. I mean, you go on Netflix and and there's like a cult section, and some of them are cult films, like The Wicker Man. Um, I'm looking at Netflix now. Evil Dead cult film um murder party definitely a cult film um i'd highly recommend that film but then some of it's like monty python and the holy grail snow piercer um see what snow uh, i Pierce, mean thing is um i don't know if snow pierce it's it hasn't been given enough time to make snow piercer airplane i just no i mean i think you could still have cult like I think one of the, the the greatest examples of like a modern cult classic um, is maybe not greatest, but an example is Mandy. 
Um, I was thinking the same thing because two years ago it had that vibe. Mandy ha- yeah, well, it's that aesthetic of the occult classic feel. Um, films that don't. I would say Good Times is a but little bit of a cult classic. Yeah, but the difference though with cult classics and like that kind of thing, and why I think Mandy is more of a cult classic than Good Time is I say commercial and critical. It like crit like critics didn't like the movie and panned it. Critics generally liked Good Time. Like Good Time, I feel like for the most part, critics enjoyed. Maybe it didn't do so well financially. I don't know, but it. I mean, it boosted their career. I just think a lot of these like another great example of cult films, and this is going back again to the to the seventies. But Pink Flamingo. Uh-huh. That that is a cult. That is another definition well, I, of a cult film. That, that is that's the most culty of his films. But I I think honestly, all a lot in the seventies, all of his films are kind of cult classics, like um, Femme Fatale and uh, Divine. Wait, is was there a movie just called Divine? No, I think you're thinking of. Oh. Uh, there's one called Maniac or. Fivel, I'm looking it up. A lot of John Waters stuff is on uh on Criterion Collection now, so which I always think is a lovely thing to be a part of. Um but mul- apparently multiple though, maniacs. Mondo Trasho. That kind of speaking stuff. Speaking of John Waters, uh there's an article from Vanity Fair um that says John Waters um never likes to use the term cult classic though. Um, and he, he explains cult classics cult to him, to John Waters, a cult film means 20 people. This is a quote from him, 20 people that were smarter than them, i.e. the film studios, um, liked it and, and it lost a lot of money. That's his definition of a cult film is people kind of, I think that's also something interesting with cult classics is people, you watch it now. And cult films seem more modern than films did when it came out. Like you watch, I mean, we're going back to, to the 70s again. But if you watch, maybe not for for Pink Flamingo. Because uh, I think that film, it's, it was really just a cult classic because it was so extremely sexual. Um, and also just so out. Maybe it is modern, though. That's the, Maybe it, it does seem modern. Because it's just it's really... Pink Flamingo. It it doesn't seem like, you know, the other films coming out in the seventies. Um, but you look at Rocky Horror Picture Show. That seems like something that could have been made. Like it just seems so aware of itself, um, and so f- comical that it's like a lot of these cult films. I think are just really ahead of their time. Um, and that's another thing. That's another attribute of cult films. So, um, to your point about how okay, so re, uh, RoboCop, I still would argue is a cult classic, but something that's on here that kind of is in the same vein of criticism of America, but is also pretty. Another thing I consider a cult classic is the all-around vibe of the movie is a little schlocky, like people are kind of overacting. The sets are a little bit stranger than usual like it's a little bit to the off to the beaten path and the one that um that i know is a cult classic is repo man by alex cock which um has uh one of the um 
Martin Sheen, um, Mende- um, not Menendez, um, the guy from Breakfast Club, but also Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, Stanton is in it, but um, that that's that is kind of a, a cult classic where it didn't really do the best in the box office. Probably made like about the same money, but it years later from watching late night TV, it picked up. But we haven't talked about somebody who really made it and still is kind of a cult following, but is so revered in Hollywood that he's still relevant. Don't say it. David Lynch? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Scorsese, but yes, you're right. No, no, no. Not we Scorsese. talked about a ra- I, I said Scorsese for a hot sec. Or, I mean, I said um, Eraserhead for a hot sec. I think Martin Scorsese could be in the line of no nah, i don't want to talk about scorsese yeah i, I don't Let's think talk he, about david he's Lynch. not a cult classic kind of guy um david Le- the thing is is like those guys also, who stay in the box they they stay in the box just so much like i think if if martin scorsese actually cast like a a man who would look like he was jesus instead of all of his brooklyn friends then i think we would be talking um but yeah, David David Lynch, he's so far out of the box and doing his own thing that it you know, it really does take a cult to follow like follow his stuff. Um like for example, my personal opinion is this the new uh the Twin Peaks the return. I thought it was I really didn't after I saw all 18 episodes I I told you I think in other podcasts I it's one of the only. It's the only show slash movie um, that I enjoyed, but I don't think I would. I, I don't recommend to people because I, I really don't see anybody liking it. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so out there and does things that are could be considered annoying, but add up later somehow. I can't explain it. It's really not anybody I know within a 50-mile radius would like it. But I'm always surprised when I meet somebody and they're like, yeah, I love Twin Peaks The Return. I've seen it two times now. So it just goes to show you. But in that same vein, David Lynch spent four years uh, making Eraserhead, um, which was such an underbelly of critical success in throughout Hollywood. It was one of those... It's super word by mouth. Like Stanley Kubrick, I think said that it was like his one of his favorite films of that time. Um, and then from there, of course, Mel Brooks probably watched it and said, "Give this guy a a movie," and he made Elephant Man. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely fallen into um, the very rare instances in which a director is given a bunch of money but he 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 or she and for most examples he because just america's sexist or hollywood sexist um hopefully they're given changing. hopefully it's well, i think i think it's changing but um uh they're given a lot of money but it's still they are making like very low budget films um David Lynch, another example, I mean, David Lynch is big for the 70s, another, and 80s, but another example that's very 80s, John Carpenter is a big cult classic guy. Yeah, that's true. His he, films, like, They Live, 
very cult classic. But they're very much, um, they're kind of, I feel like, right on the teetering of being, you know, they, like, it has all the action there. So, and there's really no uh, guess tour. But, it's just but so I will, I will weird, say though. his stuff is culty. Um, but it, it, once again, it's a director kind of a cult. Like, oh, it's a John Carpenter mm-hmm. movie. Like, there are single films where people usually the filmmaker is the also the like the cult classic. I mean, to an extent, we got to talk about Kevin Smith, who uh, I I do enjoy Clerks. Don't like any of his yeah. other movies. I hate that cult though. Not a big. I'm but not he's a, big a cult. Fan. He's a cult guy. I he's guess. definitely got. But if we're yeah, if we're also gonna talk about um, we should. No, we have a little bit of time. If we're gonna talk. Uh, I also want to talk briefly about um, uh, some other because I think we're talking very specifically about um. Very Amer- like very typical American cult classics. We could have talked um, about El Topo, which I unfortunately I haven't seen, but I haven't seen El Topo or any of that guy's art- film. This guy, I don't even know who this guy is until I was reading this article, um, and I haven't seen Whitney and I either, which is what this I've been the title me- is. I've been meaning to watch that film. But last time I watched it, I watched it with my roommate, and for some reason, he's, like, not very keen on British anything, so we, like, turned it off. But it is on, Hmm. for any, but this is a timestamp. It is July 17th, 2020. It is currently right now on Criterion Channel, and probably by the time this comes out, it probably still will be, so. With Neil and I? With Nail and I, yeah. Apparently, so I'm reading this quote, and it says, um, well, I won't read the quote, but it it, it essentially says, what Neil and I is considered a cult classic because of it was, there was a blunder in the distribution of it. Hmm. Like, it was really not distributed well, so it didn't do well. And that reminds me of the film, um, an American film, but um, Under the Silver Lake, which A24, it's not really well known. But A24 really blundered the release of the film uh, Under the Silver Lake, which was kind of the film that I think uh, Andrew Garfield, it was really like the last film that he made that was like this big, that was thought of going to be like this big film, but it just really just was not Wait, distributed well who at else, all. Who else is in that? Is that with Daniel Radcliffe? I haven't. No, it's Andrew Garfield um, Under the Silver Lake. Because there's a movie with him and Andrew, uh, with him and Daniel Radcliffe that someone showed me a little clip of, and it looks really good. Well, is that the one with his hand? Like he has the guns for hands? Uh, no, no, it's it's like a. That's also might be a cult classic. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't I, been hearing I haven't too heard much it. about it. Honestly, I considered. Uh, I just was looking at this like movies, like a Bong Joon Ho movie, like some of his earlier stuff, like uh, Host. Yeah, I think because well, you can't. I never no, heard not host, not host, not host. I mean, I, I know mean, that host, was huge. The in difference South- between foreign films, though, is they do well like commercially in South Korea. Also, I think host did very well in America as well. Uh, I mean, if you're going to be talking about Bong Joon and Ho films that didn't do well, probably it's probably like Mother or Memories or, of a Murder. Yeah, Memories are of a Murder. Or kill or the dog killing thing. I forget what it's called. Ah, oh, shoot. Um, I actually have it down in my little collection here. But um, another film as well that is 
I see come up all the time. And I personally think the film is really weird, but it does fit the spectrum of a cult film, but it's also a foreign cult film. But Fantastic Planet, have you ever seen that movie? I haven't. It's definitely on my queue of like adult I saw that film in D.C. I don't even know if the theater is still there. Maybe not after COVID. But there's a film in D.C. called Sun Pictures. And it literally is this guy's like living room. But it's a it's a small like theater and um they were showing Fantastic Planet and I took my my girlfriend, who's still my girlfriend at the time, or still my girlfriend, Olivia, who you know, uh, who I'm staying at their parents' house. Oh, okay. During COVID. Yeah. Um I took her to see it and she's not big into film. But I took her to see it because <laughs> that's how I go on dates is I just take girls to the weirdest movies I can find and see if they are still with me. Yeah. Um, and... and it's a strange film. But it's another film as well that it, I'm like constantly seeing it come up. Um, and it's also another film from the 70s. Uh, but it's a cartoon and it's it's... It's, I don't even know. It's about humans that are captured by aliens. And it's just, it's it's just insane animation is all I can say. Um, I gotta say, I think the weirdest cult classic movie I've seen truly is the first time I'd, I mean, back to Eraserhead. I really, I, that, I need to rewatch Eraserhead. But when I first saw that movie, I was generally creeped out by it. I was going through my period of anxiety during that time. But um, I remember just going like, this is so weird. I've never seen anything such like it. Um, but it, I love cult classics. Um, I got to say, I'm not really seeing t- TV shows seem to be a more cult classic-y like word of mouth. I mean, for a hot second, Stranger Things was a cult following. And now it's just, it's entered yeah. in Yeah. I mean, the difference with TV show is, like, it, it might be small at first, but, like, it TV shows, it's not like it's this is a one singular thing, and then it grows, well, but TV shows... shoot. I mean, I guess Freaks I, and Geeks is an example well, no, of a cult I just, classic. I can't believe we didn't talk about it at all, but my favorite cult uh, TV show, Community, I think that show is yeah. the epitome of a cult. TV What's show. crazy with Community well, it got, is like I feel like it was so popular because we were watching that when it first aired. Yeah, like that. I, I was like, first this episode. Is a big, this is a big show, right? Like this is. It's on NBC. And then I'm realizing all of these people, like no one heard of Community before, and they're just like, wait, what? Like Childish Gambino is from this and stuff, and I was like, yeah, this is how. Like I remember when he left the show, and I was thinking like, "Oh, he left the show to be a rapper," and I was like, "I was, of course. I was like, thinking the I was same like thing." Rolling my eyes, like he's not going to amount to anything. Um, and then he became Childish Gambino. Yeah, you think? I mean, heck, that's kind of what—not the rapping, but Chevy Chase went off, like got off of Saturday Night Live to become a movie star, and that kind of. Yeah, it was kind of the reverse. Well, he he was for a hot. It was, it was like a flash. Well, I think Childish Gambino literally has talent so yeah um no but yeah that's the thing is like it's the only show i know where the history of it it's in it was during the thursday 
NBC block of like third. It was like Office, Thirty Rock, and then Community. So that honestly, that's the greatest TV lineup I I ever remember. Like nonstop, mm. nonstop laughs. And this was back when like all those shows were still like. It was very different. Well, I think the first like Community to me was all the good all the way through. Even like season four had some good s- stuff, but Thirty Rock and Office definitely petered out. Yeah, points. But I'll also bring in. But oh, go ahead. But I loved it. Uh, go on. I'll also bring in briefly, and we should transition soon to the movies that we've seen. Yeah. Um, uh, a cult classic that was a song, and I was just watching. There's a Vice thing on this song, and I, I'm there. There, I mean, there's so many instances, but. This just came to my head. You know the song, the Shaggy song, um, Wasn't Me? Wasn't Me. There's like, Wasn't Me. We were both through a butt, butt naked banging on the bathroom floor. Oh, After yeah. Did I forget? That was an instance of like a cult classic song because that was 20 years ago. It really became famous through this, hall, this, uh, this DJ in Hawaii found the song through Napster and played it. And then, like, all these people loved it, and it, like, had no distribution whatsoever, and, like, when they called the record company, like, the record company didn't even know what the song was, and it was, like, a year after, or maybe not a year, but it was, like, it it was a little bit of time after it had been released. It was a, it was a failure at first, and then just exploded. Um, so there's a cool... Also, before we wrap up, there, there's actually this film called... Uh, that this Vanity Fair keeps referencing called Time Warp, um, which is the greatest cult films of all time, volume one. Or uh, There's multiple volumes, but it's a f- uh, thing that you can watch on Amazon uh, about cult classics. Huh. Time um, Warp, eh? Time Warp, yes. And it's a, it's, it, it's a modern film. It came out this year. Um, I'll have to check that out. So, anyways, let's transition... To films that we watched this week um, that we recommend or just want to talk about go ahead zach sure um so um the movie i would recommend i while i was away on my four day like isolation i did watch a few or in the last few uh weeks in this past week i watched four movies um i watched ray about ray charles these two B movies called A Fiend Without uh, the a Fiend Without a Face and First Man Into Outer Space or uh, First Man Into Space all great films but the movie that I would recommend because it was very strange and out there and I love this director is The Piano Teacher which um is directed by Michael Haneke who has done other movies like I believe he is a yeah he's a it's a german film uh he directed other movies like amore uh, amore and funny games in the right the white ribbon um but it's a very interesting it's very it's jarring it's a little scary at times but the whole entire thing is about a piano teacher who lives with her very controlling mother and this woman you start to learn i mean it's it's not a spoiler, but this this piano teacher woman is essentially dead inside, and you see how dead she is and what she goes to feel something, and it is 
the way that Michael Haneke and I actually I would like to do maybe an episode on him later on in the future because I've seen a few of his movies is his stuff is very minimalistic. There's not a lot of music in it and his camera will just follow these people into these strange places. Um hmm. and then it's about and this young man falls in love with this woman who's dead inside and how do, how does someone love someone who's like has no feeling. So it uh it goes on from there. I I recommend it but if you have a uh, an upset stomach uh or like easy to throw up or whatever, don't watch this movie. <laughs> hmm. It's also very graphic. Yeah, I um the only movie and I guess this is a tag in uh, for next week, the only, well, I will say, a show that I've been watching a lot on Netflix is this show, The Floor is Lava. Have you seen this? I haven't. It, I mean, it look, I, I'm not a reality TV guy, so. Well, it's like Wipeout. Wipeout. Yeah, but the thing is, is Wipeout, the reason why I liked Wipeout, it was, a, it was on cable and I could just turn it on. I can't just turn on. Uh, yeah, fair, but I. It's the same thing as Wipeout, but we've been watching it, and I really enjoy it because it's just people falling down, and you're like, are they going to make it? And then the great thing, too, is it's, I mean, it's reality shows, I feel like, for the most part, aren't, they're not reality, and I think that's, everyone knows that, but this is, like, people are are actually trying to finish, and I don't think, it. the only reason they fall is because they fall like it's just i don't think that it's it was it's planned that they fall or something so it's really like when they fall you're kind of just like oh man that's their like it's just kind of entertaining to watch because that it does seem real and um it's funny so that but the other uh thing that i watched was um oh we're almost out of time but this is a good tag in for next week i watched this movie uh faces which is john cassavetti's film which is going to be our theme for next week because uh, we're going to be watching a bunch of John Cassavetes, the father of American uh, indies, really. Uh, and I'll tell you how uh, what I th- thought of it uh, next week. <laughs> yeah. John- um, but it really John has made me think. Yes, it really has made me. I also watch Husbands as well, which is another one of his films. Um, but yeah, that's it for today. Um, thanks for listening. Thank and, you. Uh, uh, Godspeed, everyone. Yeah. You haven't been saying Spider- want to say it? Yeah. Oh, you're leaving it to me? That's why? Okay, yeah. Stay clean, Spider-Man. Ha <laughs> ha.